for great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts. The TNT Shop is now open at tntradio.live. Limbit Opic. This is the Limbit Opic Show on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Good morning, Planet Earth. Limbit Opic again for three hours of news and comment with some of the most live wires anywhere on the airwaves. Uh, coming up very shortly, we've got Nick Cotton, who's an independent journalist and by his own confession, a troublemaker. That's a man after my own heart, though he, I think, does it more on purpose than I do. I just end up in trouble. He'll be talking about uh, his recent history, how he's got to be that troublemaker, what's bothering him, and uh, potentially about the way that there's a fashion to offence. Well, we'll find out all about him and about his views on that in just a few minutes. Want to know your views too, of course. Uh, as always, I welcome your involvement at tntradio.live. Just go there. You'll find the chat will be lively with all the regulars, and you should be one of them too. I can't possibly go through everything that's said there because there's too much of it. And often there are parallel conversations uh, which echo what we're discussing here on the airwaves. Uh, you're welcome to also call in. You'll find three numbers there uh, on the site. And uh, if I've got time, I'll get you on board as well. Wherever you are in the world, what I care about is your opinions. We kill the spin, we find the facts, and we share our views as well, but we never dress them up as your views. That's the only condition of being uh, today's News Talk viewer or listener. You have to think for yourself. If you can do that, you're in the right place. And Nick Cotton certainly is in the right place for that very reason. I'll introduce him in just a minute, but let me just highlight something which continues to amuse and give, uh, as far as I'm concerned, on the international stage. And that continuing rise and rise of Donald Trump, whether you like him or you don't like him, You've got to accept he's a survivor. He is fighting this, uh, or competing, I think it's probably a better way of describing it, a lady called Nikki Haley, who would like to be the Republican candidate for president uh, this year uh, in November, when uh, the winner of the Republican selection is in all likelihood going to be standing against the rather elderly man, also known as Joe Biden. Well, Nikki Haley was competing for the selection in her home state of uh, South Carolina, I believe it is. Well, who won? Donald Trump. Donald Trump absolutely hammered her there. Uh, he was 20 percentage points ahead. Well, if Nikki can't beat Donald in her home state, I think the writing's on the wall. She carries on fighting. She says she's not going to give up. And that's fair play. I suppose she's fishing for a position in Donald Trump's team if he gets to be the president. You can't blame anyone for having political ambition. Perhaps that's something I fell short of when I was a member of parliament. But at what point are the Republicans and Donald Trump's enemies gonna stop and smell the coffee? He himself predicted that all the felony charges and the problems he's having in court will only make him stronger. It also turns out, and I've checked this legally, even if he is found guilty of charges, even if he's behind bars, during the presidential campaign, he can still stand to become the president of the United States. Just imagine that, a president in America with his finger on the nuclear button, but also behind bars at the same time. Somewhere along the way, his enemies, in my view, have miscalculated terribly because they have tried to stop him using any means possible, but none of it has worked. What is the secret of success for Donald Trump? I wonder what you think. Next week, I'm hoping to have a commentator from the US, uh, somebody who's a graduate in political matters, to perhaps explain the rise and rise of Donald Trump. 
he'll also make some predictions. But what we can now see as the dust settles in South Carolina is a stoic Nikki Haley struggling on in a campaign she can't possibly win now, and an unsinkable Donald Trump, who, whatever they throw at him, is always standing when the smoke clears. Donald Trump is verily a political survivor. He's also, for many, a breath of fresh air. You don't have to respect the views he's got to respect the way that his stamina keeps him going. This all makes the next presidential election a rather interesting spectacle. We've got Joe Biden, who, to many people's surprise, thinks he's still able and agile enough physically and mentally to run the United States. And you've got Donald Trump, who doesn't entertain the prospect of anything less than victory over Joe Biden. This will certainly be a clash of the titans, a rerun of an election that Donald Trump lost the last time. The polls don't absolutely guarantee victory for either, but my money's on Trump. I do think he'll be first across the line. What that means for the world is for another occasion. What it does mean, though, is the old establishment figures aren't in control of the Republican Party anymore, and probably not of the next US presidential election. As I said at the beginning, this is the gift that keeps on giving. What it means for the world is a different question. But what it means for American politics is that that mold is finally broken. For better or worse, the establishment pushed it too far and they'll pay the price. I wonder what you think of Donald Trump and of Joe Biden. Do feel free to say, but save your fire mainly for next week when we will be having a deep and personal conversation about the mysterious unsinkability of Donald Trump. All of that with me on The Len Potobic Show right here on TNT. It's the stuff. It's that division people are talking about. And that cluelessness that they want to push. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Never mind America. Let's come closer to home with a man who probably would be quite a good presidential candidate if he had the credentials for it. It's Nick Cotton. Nick, good day to you. Where are you? Oh, I'm I'm doing very well. I'm in Buckinghamshire. The weather is starting to improve. We're getting out of winter. Um, and I have no aspirations of uh, being a presidential candidate, not that I could, or um, or any role in politics. And I had no interest in politics and found it stuffy and boring uh, until Trump and Brexit, basically. And it was the reaction to Trump and Brexit that woke me up to all this um, because everybody was suddenly being called a racist for their democratic vote. Um, and it all looked very wrong to me. And that's kind of where it started. So so the Trump thing is, it's really fascinating to me because the world's media just basically said, he's Hitler, it'll be the end of the world if he gets in, he got in, and he wasn't much of a fascist at all. And I think that was very revealing. Yes, this is the thing. Uh, not mainly on here to talk about Trump, but I am interested in what you, your views are. Incidentally, I'm interested that you live in Buckinghamshire. For those who aren't in the United Kingdom, Buckinghamshire is one of the poshest counties in the in the country. You must be rich. Oh, I don't know about that. No, because of uh, because of the work I do, um, which is making videos about lies that I perceive and free speech issues. 
Um, I, I lost two jobs over that. So I have to work in um, an industry where they don't really care about that kind of stuff, which is the manly industries. You can't really get fired for having the wrong opinion if you're just there to lift things and do heavy grunt work. Um, so that's my advice if people want to uh, want to be free to open their mouth and say what they think and earn a living um, is you get to do that. But no, I would not say I'm not a typical Buckinghamshire candidate. And I lived in Cardiff for 12 years. Um, I have a middle class voice, but but I always I never gravitate towards the middle class. I don't like offices or anything like that. Two things. This isn't where I was planning to go, but that's the wonder of having a full hour with you, Nick. First of all, uh, a manly job. Are you allowed to say that? I thought the woke world would cancel that kind of misogynistic, sexist self-description. Well, I'm I'm quite serious about this because I'm I'm not in favour of the um, of the absolute. Ple- this isn't supposed to be an insult to you because you're hosting a radio show right now. But the plethora <laughs> of podcast bros uh, who have made a career out of um, of basically talking about feminism and how it's destroyed the West and this. The thing is, this is not a manly job. And I and I have an issue with this because I used to do it during the lockdown. I was doing these streams and podcasts and stuff, and um, it's it's actually incredibly feminine. They're basically acting like loose women, the bros on the podcast. I think they feel a bit threatened by the fact that they're in a woman's industry, and so I, I, I'm in an industry where none of this woke stuff could touch it because. The, the women are the secretaries and they work in the office and the men do the work because the idea that a woman would ever apply for this work is ridiculous. It's never happened. So, um, so yeah, the, the woke thing really, it, it only affects places where it can. There are certain places where it just can't work because it would be completely ridiculous. I don't know. I think you're contradicting yourself, Nick. <laughs> I wonder if I wonder if it's even meaningful to talk about manly and, and womanly jobs because there are some women I've met who are more of a man than I'll ever be, not in the Keir Starmer way, but just in terms of their sheer testosterone. When I watch women's rugby and football, I, I just think I couldn't compete with that. Do, do you think we've created a false stereotype here? Well, I'm just, it's the whole left-right thing and that we have to fit into a sort of woke or anti-woke box and that. I find it all very strange because until I woke up, you could say, I was a default lefty, I suppose, or a liberal. Uh, My first vote was for the Liberal Democrats, sort of on the basis that they seem to be more pro-freedom and letting you, and just interfering less in your life and i think that's always been number one principle for me politically is basically leave me alone um but i thought all my friends were on the left and they seemed to be more into that and they'd vote labor and then this stuff happened in 2016 i got really interested in it and sort of looked around and went am i far right it see according to the description I am far right because I seem to agree with a lot of the people who are being described as far right. Um, And now I've, you know, I've been steeped in the far right for a few years and I'm again looking at what's going on on the left and wondering if they uh, if they're right about a thing or two. And it's all it's all pretty meaningless to me at this point. 
we've got deep and heavy much faster than I expected, Nick. But just on this far right, far left thing, uh, something I often mention is the Nolan chart. And it says there are two axes in politics. There's left and right for economics, but then there's authoritarian and libertarian on the other axis, the social axis. My experience as a member of parliament for 13 years in Britain was that governments just muck up economies. They don't really run them because most of them don't have a clue how economies work, but they can make a difference in social policy. Uh, but then we get this mix up where people think if you're libertarian, if you believe in freedom, you're right wing. And if you're mm. an authoritarian, you're left wing. Uh, but I don't think those distinctions really work anymore because we've got this homogenous left right labor conservative party, uni party, which looks more or less the same on everything. Yeah, you're right that there's you've described. Um the the political compass if you do that political compass test um it's a square and it gives you your position in a box uh, according to two axes but actually there's three poles and you're attracted to one of the three poles whereas it's giving you four corners and this is the problem and i had someone explain explain this at speaker's corner and it was wonderful um because he said it's not a square it's a triangle and I'm going to prove it. And he did. And it's exactly the way that you described, which is you've got the left wing economically, which is like communism on the far left, um, ultimate state control. Uh, on the right wing, you would have sort of traditional monarchism, a hierarchy. Um, and the antithesis of both of those is actually anarchist, libertarian freedom, um, complete, like, Anarcho-capitalism would be the extreme point of that, um, but it's freedom from restrictions from either side. So it doesn't work in a box. It's actually a triangle, um, and I'm attracted to this freedom part of it. I <clears throat> I think it's a tetrahedron, if that's even okay. a design. I'm not sure the tetrahedron is. Um, my six-year-old kid would probably know because they seem to teach that sort of thing to at schools. Uh, either way, though, I suspect that we're quite similar because freedom is the driver. That's what got me into politics, really. And I think the freedom's at threat at the moment. So before we go into the break, if you were to define yourself, heavy philosophy for Sunday morning in Britain, heavy philosophy for late evening in Australia, but if you were to describe yourself in a philosophical context and not more than 30 seconds what would how would you describe yourself oh is this looking for labels like which uh no, which no it's... not necessarily not necessarily i'm just interested to know where you go with it nick um i mean i think that uh what we've what we've seen since 2020 it was all a big test of do you trust yourself over what you're seeing out there on the tv do you have a a does it come from in here first do you validate what you feel with what you see rather than what other people are telling you based on the data that it says in the times and stuff like that uh, over and above any left right political ideology i think that's been the great test of the past few years and i think that's what it all comes down to nicely put Nick. let's explore that in terms of the the things that are on our minds in a short while you're listening to the lambertopic show uh nick cotton who is a morning philosopher here on sunday morning britain uh sounds like a good show name actually uh, as we discuss 
matters which matter to us and hopefully to yourselves as well. Get involved in the conversation. If you've got questions, I'll try and get them off the chat at tntradio.live and you can phone in as well. Uh, we've got another 40 minutes of Nick right here on the Lambert Opic Show on TNT. See you in a few minutes. TNT's Pervoy Morich. Putin said Biden would be a better U.S. president for Russia than Trump and dismissed concerns over his counterpart's age and acuity for the role. Um, so maybe he's af- afraid of that uh, label again of Russian collusion, Trump, Putin, uh, and whatnot. But, you know, he's he made the statement in the past that it doesn't matter who's in the White House, left or right, Democrat or Republican. Once the president gets in, um, men in black suits show up and tell tell him what to do. Pervoy Morich on today's News Talk TNT. In a democracy, the majority vote rules. But in most democracies, you can only vote for change every three or four years. To understand what people want, governments and political parties use focus groups. These focus groups can include as little as 20 people. Australia is a country of over 25 million people. Does making decisions based on 20 people sound fair to you? Have your say. Be heard in between elections. Download the For My Say app now. That is number four, My Say. Unbiased information. Honest and forthright. News without the misinformation. It doesn't matter what side you're from. What matters is what you say, the truthfulness behind it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back to the Lambitopic Show. Three hours of news and comment on a Saturday and Sunday morning. I'm with Nick Cotton, who's certainly got things going on the chat. Uh, there's a sub- subtext going on here as well. Let me read you some of the, the comments. Just a bloke who asked questions says, I did minimalism before it was ever a thing and hate untidiness. Hmm. I don't do min- minimalism. It's just not enough to it. <laughs> okay, moving on. I'm here all week. Uh, just a bloke adds, but tennis courts are frozen this morning. So no tennis today, but I do get to listen live to Lembert. Every cloud is a silver lining. Thanks very much, just a bloke. How posh you are with your own tennis court. That's amazing. Uh, various discussion there, including some unpronounceable dinosaur names from Hidden Truth. Not sure what you're talking about there, but I haven't got time to scroll up to find out. Uh, do keep your calls and comments coming. Uh, good morning also to Lisa and Holly. Nick, we were talking about philosophy. I understand you study philosophy at, at Cardiff University. Is that right? That is correct. Yes. I studied uh, philosophy at Bristol University, so I'm better than you. Uh, are you better than me? Does it rank higher in the Russell Group chartings? Um, yeah, yes, I, I, it does. <laughs> Actually, it does. Yes. <laughs> Fair enough. It probably does. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, uh, I I spent a lot of time in Bristol because it's only an hour away. It's about five on the bus, and um, and I DJed for my whole twenties, and it was a bit of a mecca for there. So. Um, I mean, Bristol's crazy. I, I I did actually live there for a year, and that was all I could hack because um, I don't know. It, it was I, I see it as sort of Britain's Portland, Oregon. You see, I see a lot of news out of, coming out of America about Antifa torching university buildings and stuff. And I knew they'd be the first city to topple a statue, and they were with the Edward Colston one. So so that's. Bristol, I don't know. I think the millennials in Bristol are crazy. They've gone mad. I wasn't I wasn't too proud of the toppling of a statue of a slave trader, uh, because where do you draw the line? Eventually, you just disown people like Winston Churchill, who thought about raising arms against the Welsh. Uh, if you go back 200 years, uh, some people who are now 
heroes who are now heroes uh, did some pretty questionable things john f kennedy his private life was hardly that virtuous do you think it was right to pull down a statue of a slave trader from the past bearing in mind that a lot of the wealth in bristol was from the slave trade and from the cigarette trade as well for that matter h h wills built much of the university that i studied in I think it's quite clear that we don't have an honest conversation about this slave trade and the reparations and the fact that it was Britain that spent basically a century going around the world and stamping slavery out and preventing other nations from continuing it. Um, but people are literate in that if they're steeped in sort of the right wing media circle, whereas if you're steeped in the left wing media circle, you've you've had years of the of proving that colonialism did all this damage, um, which it definitely did. So I don't, you know, I don't see an honest conversation. And that's a great worry of mine is that I think we're being put into two camps where you can't have discussions. And that's why the statues eventually get torn down. In general, I'm I, I was dead against any of this tearing down of statues until somebody attacked that BBC one that was designed by the paedophile. Um, I've forgotten his name, um, but it's outside the BBC offices. Someone went at that with a with a hammer and chisel. And it was like, you know what? I might make an exception for that one. Ah, uh, you see, then you're picking and choosing. You're picking and choosing. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get off the philosophy and into current affairs in a moment. And that's my my concern. Uh, let he who is that without blame cast the first stone. And some crimes are greater than others. But then we had a war in Iraq on the basis of a false prospectus that killed hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of civilians. Uh, the West and certainly the Conservatives and the Labour Party in the UK and America has not really done that much to stop Benjamin Netanyahu in, in his escapade in Gaza, which we know has killed in majority uh, tens of thousands of civilians there. <clears throat> if you start picking and choosing, Nick, aren't you in danger of doing something called cultural relativism or moral yeah. relativism? You are, and I think that you're right that um, that there's not enough focus on right now. I think the I've been saying to a lot of people recently that there hasn't been a single military intervention that happened in my lifetime that I actually agree with, um, and that's I was born in 1989, so my whole life since 9/11, which happened when I was 11 years old. Um, I've just watched Britain walk into countries that they have no business being in on the basis of lies and destroy them. Um, and that is a source of tremendous shame. And it's also coming back to bite us in the ass right now because we have no um, no moral rights to we, we have no um, we, we can't claim to be the moral backbone of the world against like China and Russia. Um, especially with what's going on in Israel right now. And I think that's what all these protests are about, um, on top of just stop bombing the Palestinians. There is a broader thing of like, Britain is so culpable in all of this destruction and causing all of this anger, um, and it's got to stop. And I would like an honest conversation about it rather than you know, just just waving my Union Jack, because um, I can't be like that. I can't just stand on Britain's side for everything, no matter what they do. Uh, you were born in 1989. That's two years after I left Bristol University. So not only am I better than you, I'm also wiser than you, uh, because 
we both know that the older you get, the wiser you get, which is why Joe Biden should be president for the next 200 years, I suppose. Um, let's, uh, let's talk about politics in the current uh, situation. You say that you're a troublemaker. What do you want to cause trouble about at the moment? I want to cause trouble about um, Israel um, and the uh, fact that they've been completely let off the hook. I think that um, it's very reasonable to suppose that October 7th was a false flag because it is the most secure border in the entire world. The idea that paragliders can just sort of glide over. It looks ridiculous if you stack it next to uh, footage of the March of Return, which was a few years before, where Palestinians um, walked up to the border peacefully with white flags and were all shot. Um, no weapons involved in that. Alarms go off if a cockroach goes near this thing. Um, so so you should be asking questions about the Israeli military anyway. How did they let this happen if their capabilities are so high? Similarly, if you were to um, attempt a hostage rescue mission, why would you not be using ground invasion troops? Why are we using carpet bombing tactics with uh, a sort of casualty to combatant ratio of 100 to 1? These are just very obvious war crimes. Um, and a lot of people understand this and a lot of people are on the streets because they understand it. And the huge issue for me in the UK at the moment is the fact that the alt media appears to all be on the side of Israel and so dishonestly so. Um, so I'm to massive support for Israel from all of these stations that have apparently appeared because we can't trust the BBC because it's too woke, which I do agree with. You can't trust the BBC. Um, but I'm, I've seen sort of trigonometry, the Lotus Eaters, Talk TV, GB News, all of this stuff um, appear in the wake of Brexit Trump uh, because there's an attack on free speech. Absolutely all of them are being dishonest on this issue and it is a genocide. So that's what I'm pointing out. I think it's treasonous that um, that our media appears to have been bought out by a foreign state that is is committing terrorism. That's how it looks to me. So that's what I'm getting loud at loud about. But let's explore this because what I notice is the apparent incapability of of many of the outlets you've described and many of the reporters and broadcasters on those stations to be able to separate bad politics from anti-Semitism. It's almost as if they think that by criticizing the head of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, you're necessarily going to be accused of anti-Semitism. But that's ridiculous. Uh, it's like saying, and I've all often used this example, saying that Tony Blair was a Catholic and that's why he uh, made a false uh, attack on, on, on the base of dodgy dossier in, in Iraq. Benjamin Netanyahu does not automatically escape criticism just because he happens to be Jewish. But uh, when you listen to Keir Starmer getting himself into an even bigger mess, I'm not sure he understands it at all. Because incredibly, for a Labour leader, he actually opposed a ceasefire. I.e., if you're, what you say is right, he supported the wholesale slaughter of civilians in Gaza on the basis that he didn't dare to criticize Netanyahu's, in my view, very bad militaristic and political decision. Where do you stand on this this fear of criticizing Netanyahu? Do you think it's a, because people are frightened of sounding anti-Semitic? 
Uh, I think they've been made to fear um, the charge of anti-Semitism uh, because um, of the weight of the charges that come against you um, when this happens. Basically, Jeremy, Col Jeremy Corbyn became the leader of the Labour Party due to a massive, organic, um, democratic, grassroots uh, uprising of support uh, people joining the labor party for three pounds and voting that they wanted jeremy corbyn to be leader of the labor party because of all the labor mps he represented the future that they wanted to see you might be a right winger and you might disagree with this but it definitely happened it happened he won by a landslide because he was popular with the membership and what happened in the wake of that was a fake anti-semitism crisis if you go back and you watch now the way that Ken Livingston was treated for stating a historical fact, which is just established, which was that Hitler uh, originally wanted to expel the Jews um, to Israel rather than to exterminate them. Ken Livingston can never be a member of the Labour Party again because he said that, even though it's completely true. And the reason they got rid of him was because he was one of the only high profile um labor party voices that was supportive of corbyn and the reason that they didn't they couldn't have corbyn um in number 10 is because he's supportive of the people of palestine this all happened and keir starmer's first words as labor would leave was that he was going to tear anti-semitism out by the roots now this is not anti-Semitism, um, if we want to have an actual conversation about this. I think the actions of Benjamin Netanyahu have produced and are going to produce more anti-Semitism or more hatred of Jewish people and make the Jews globally less safe than they've ever been, because all of them are being tied to the actions of the state of Israel led by Benjamin Netanyahu, whether they like it or not. Um, you know, somebody can just be born Jewish, not in the state of Israel, got no ties to it. And yet because of this and this situation that we've got and everyone bleating about anti-Semitism, they're sort of presumed to be a part of it. And that is anti-Semitic. This is the thing that's being produced is the idea that Jews are one voice and they all think alike. They absolutely don't. I can name tons and tons and tons of anti-Zionist Jews. So it's almost like the whole thing is on its head. And the, the thing that will get you accused of being an anti-Semite, it's, it's the opposite. It's actually quite urgent that we don't assume that all Jewish people are supportive of this um, because it's terrible. So, but, the, but yeah, the key point is that there is a lobby that will um, come down on you like a ton of bricks for um, being vocal against the state of Israel. And they'll say it's because you hate Jews and there's no evidence for it whatsoever. Nick, you're getting a lot of uh, commentary on the chat. Let me read you some of the things on the tntradio.live chat. Uh, Mogden says, good questions that have never been answered, Nick. Uh, uh, Just a bloke says, uh, well, he's talking about AI, actually, but uh, it's interesting, but it's a slightly parallel chat, but it's worth reading if you've got time. Not you, Nick, though. You need to focus on the program. <laughs> uh, Holly says, uh, the scared for sure, the pushback against their warmongering must continue. Uh, quite right, Holly. Uh, Madrid says they called Andrew Bridgen that for asking for a discussion 
of the excess deaths in terms of COVID. Uh, there's a general tone here. Lucy, I'll let me add this one and make my comment. The politicians have all been bought out, compromised. Why are 80% of our Tory politicians friends of, of Israel? Um, it does seem to me, Nick, that the, the political facts do back up what you're saying. When I was a member of parliament, I was actually on the Holocaust Education Trust board. But in the end, I was criticized and eventually dismissed from it because I was working with Press TV, which was an Iranian station. Uh, and they essentially uh, criticized me, accused me of being a Holocaust denier. And I do find that the, the, the playing of the card like that has obscured and to some extent protected Benjamin Netanyahu in a, a war which, as you say, I didn't know it was 100 to 1, but in great majority is killing civilians. Uh, are you suggesting in your narrative, in your analysis then, that the tragic and ironic effect of what's happening in Israel is to increase hate of Jews, uh, even though it's really uh, Benjamin Netanyahu's terrible policies that seem to be causing the situation? Uh, 100%. My perspective is that um, the problem that we see at the moment is because of governments committing war crimes it's not because um and and we don't want it to turn into an ethnic racial thing but uh, mm. sadly i think it is at this point i don't think that you can um i don't think that you can escape that but um but it isn't just it, it i mean it is just about government because it's not about the jewish diaspora saying this it's about organizations like um the campaign against anti-semitism and the board of deputies of british jews who claim to speak on behalf of all of the jews that live in britain when they don't and in fact in the case of the labor party you have um the jewish labor movement was the pre-existing um, I, th I think it was, or maybe I've got it the wrong way around. No, it's Jewish Voice for Labour, I think, was the pre-existing group of Jewish Labour members. Um, but the group that complained about all of the anti-Semitism charges was the Jewish Labour movement, which was essentially set up in 2015 as a reaction to Corbyn by a bunch of people that were ex-employees of the Israeli embassy. Um, they had direct ties to a foreign state. So that and I remember, wasn't it Pretty Patel got um, got fired for having secret holidays to Israel. So, again, it's not about the ethnic group. It's about people's ties to this strip of land in the Middle East, um, which I've done my research into the Nakba and the formation of Israel. Um, it, that was a war crime in itself, which has never been recognized on the world stage. The Palestinians have the right to return according to the rights that um, Netanyahu is saying that every Jew on earth has the right to come to Israel under. Um, and it's not recognized, but we're at this moment of global reckoning where everybody's got smartphones. So we all see the footage from Gaza coming out on Twitter and Instagram and stuff. And it's really horrific. Like, I don't know why that wouldn't meet the bar for being called a Holocaust, because I've never seen anything worse. Um, meanwhile, on the Israeli side, we get a bunch of sort of journalists like Lawrence Fox, who tell us that they were and Douglas Murray, 
tell us that they were shown 45 minutes of horrible Hamas footage and it was worse than the Nazis. So it's necessary what Netanyahu's doing. And it's like, you can't stack these next to each other. I've seen this footage. And this is just Lawrence Fox and Douglas Murray, who are clearly actors who are, you know, compromised. Yeah, well, uh, I'm quite interested in Lawrence Fox. There are aspects of the way he's been treated that I'm concerned about, because if you believe in free speech, they should be allowed to say these things. Uh, what bothers me, though, Nick, is that in much of MSM mainstream media, the old legacy media, they dress up opinions as facts. And that's when I get worried. I was talking yesterday to um, a very senior member of uh, the Today's News Talk team from Australia, Mike Ryan, who's here for the Julian Assange trial. And I recalled that uh, one of the state-sponsored media stations in the UK, when it has a sad story, it plays music. And it sounds like a film called The Truman Show, where they're actually dramatizing the news and telling you how you're supposed to feel by putting these emotional cues in it. My worry, Nick, is that, uh, and it certainly applies to the Gaza situation, that the news has been desperately curated. And you were suggesting that a lot of the British media now, even those stations that claim to be involved in free speech, are actually simply caving into that pressure or perhaps that opportunism. Well, I think the most the most breathtaking example of that would be breathtaking, right? This ITV drama that's just been on. I know it's not Gaza, so we're hit hopping across to a different topic. But that's kind of mind-blowing that there's been this dramatization of this awful, deadly pandemic that we were all supposed to have lived through, um, except we didn't. And all, all, the, all that you were getting was stuff from TV. So they have to keep doing it. And I'm, you know, I'm now in a habit because of that Trump and Brexit stuff. I don't believe what the media panic is. If there's a massive new media panic, I'm skeptical because I know they've lied to me before. And that's just my default position. Um, and yeah, when the death toll is so, so, so high, that's just a great tragedy and it's not there's nothing funny about it we're not you know joking about woke drag queens or anything anymore it's so serious um and that's why i devote my life to trying to do something about it uh, after the break i want to talk with you about something very interesting you said that you used to vote liberal democrat the party i was a member of parliament for and, and get your take on what you think is happening in british politics perhaps with a prediction about the rochdale by-election this week as well you're listening to the lempit opic show with nick cotton uh, a free thinker and a self-described troublemaker he'll be with us again in a few minutes i'll see you after the break with his expert analysis and opinion. This is tnt radio's timothy shea americans this week celebrated president's day or did we? The answer, of course, is that we did not. We celebrated George Washington's birthday. And possibly, if you want to include Abraham Lincoln, our 16th president, whose birthday, February 12th, was given up for Martin Luther King Day back in the 1980s. But we definitely did not celebrate Millard Fillmore and James Buchanan. We didn't celebrate Jimmy Carter or Bill Clinton. And we most definitely did not celebrate Barack Obama and Stumblebum Joe. Why does this matter? Am I just being picky and pedantic? No, it matters because words matter. George Orwell wrote, the slovenliness of our language makes it easier for us to have foolish thoughts. Put more colorfully, blurry words carry deplorable thinking the way that mosquitoes carry malaria. 
you should always question the dominant narrative, whether it's that standard time going into daylight savings time is an artifact from our agrarian past when in actuality farmers argued against it when the progressives put it in 110 years ago that the Republican Party and the Democrat Party flipped after the 1960s when that's demonstrably false. And even that red is the Republican color and blue is the Democrat color when again, the opposite is true. In fact, the opposite is always true what the dominant narrative seems to be. So question the words or else you've lost the argument before it's even begun. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for today's News Talk TNT. it coming. It's pre-diabetes, and it captures one in three adults. You may not even know you have it, but you can escape. Take the one-minute pre-diabetes risk test to know where you stand. With early diagnosis, you can change the outcome and prevent or delay type 2 diabetes. Be your own hero on smartphones everywhere at doihaveprediabetes.org. You're with Lembit Opic on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back to the Lembit Opic show. We've still got uh, two and a quarter hours to go. Time does go very fast, though. It's like a time machine. Everything speeds up uh, when we're talking uh, deep politics, philosophy, and culture, and sometimes economics, too. I'm with Nick Cotton, self-described uh, troublemaker in the very posh county of Buckinghamshire which I envy you for. Actually, I don't really, because I'm in Surrey, which is quite comparable. Uh, I'm not going to uh, go too far into the uh, parochialism because it won't make any sense to our global viewers. Uh, you've settled there, Nick, now for the long term in Buckinghamshire? Um, yeah, there was some, I mean, this is where I grew up and this is where my parents live and I'm just sort of five minutes down the road from them and my dad was ill the past few years, so that was kind of nice. Um because I've lived quite a long distance away from them for over a decade. Um, it is very, very nice to not be in a city right now. I feel like every time I go into a city, there's um, I can feel the energy. I mean, I don't know how conspiratorial we are on this show about the 5G towers and all sorts of control grids, but I don't enjoy going into London the way that I sort of used to. I feel sort of instantly uncomfortable around that many people. Um, and now I am in the rolling Chiltern Hills um, in uh, and I live a fairly hobbity existence and I'm getting and you can say that, you know, it's it's funny when people say that I'm posh and then they're they're, they're living in Kent themselves. Um, but um, sorry. I, okay. Sorry. It, well, I am by basically all of my food now from the local butcher or the local market or whatever and i i'm a real part of that ecosystem and i can even show you on a map the farm where the pigs i eat um were reared 
and that feels really good and yeah that probably costs a bit more than you know your your mass produced stuff that you shouldn't be eating anyway um but it's good i've been taking like active steps to just not be involved in the city and not have a job in an office where all this woke stuff is coming in and you have emails about pronouns there is a whole world that is completely untouched by this stuff where they still worked throughout the lockdown and they will still work no matter what war is announced um it's completely unaffected by that stuff it it does actually exist and it's almost like there's two worlds on top of each other because everyone in the home counties is like a commuter that goes into London. But if you actually stay here and work here and maybe don't earn as much as the guys going into London, it's lovely. So nice. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, the bubble uh, of London and more specifically the bubble in Westminster, where, uh, as I think most viewers will know, the government and the parliament of the United Kingdom is based Right at the start of our conversation, you said that you 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 used to vote Liberal Democrat, which was the party I was a member of Parliament for for thirteen whole years. What changed? Oh well, that was my first vote when I was um, when I was eighteen, maybe nineteen. It was um, at the very end of um, yeah. Tony Blair was out, and Gordon Brown was in, um, and. Yeah, those were basically the polls. I, I'd just come out of university. So I, no, I suppose I must have been 20 or 21 then. Um, and if you've been to university, you understand that the Conservative Party is evil. They are just evil people because you never trust a Tory. You won't believe the amount of messaging that goes in like that over those three years. And on the other side, you had Labour who had just dragged us into 20 years of illegal wars. And, you know, I knew that. Um, I know just very, very naturally, I'm always going to be against bombing the poor people, no matter what your excuse is, no matter what fear mongering you chuck out. I think that's always going to be my position is don't bomb the poor people. And that was Labour's legacy. Uh, so who does that leave? leave? And the Lib Dems looked fairly like just more pro-freedom. Um, I didn't really understand this political axis that we were talking about then, but, you know, in my soul, it would have been attracted to more libertarian things. And I think that they genuinely represented that at the time or they were a bit closer to. Now I see it all as opportunism and I wouldn't, you know, I think did Nick Clegg go off and work for Facebook or something? This is all a network that I I absolutely don't trust. Um but at least in terms of that axis, it's like um, the Tories don't care about the poor people and Labour, well, I don't know where Labour is now, hell in a hand casket, but um, I feel like my position has always remained the same and it's actually the, the system which has changed. It seems to me that the same thing <clears throat> has happened to me. Incidentally, you're getting a lot of support in terms of what you said about living in the countryside. Uh, illnesses can be avoided of eating sensibly, says Hidden Truth. Holly says, I love the countryside, will never live in a city again. That trip to London last week was a shocker. The place is filthy. We met uh, Holly uh, outside the Assange courts, actually, uh, when I was there. Uh, just a bloke says, speaking as a Kentish man, Essex is just somewhere you pass through only if you have to and preferably at speed en route to a better place well just a bloke you're not going to make many friends in essex for saying that. i don't think it's so terrible but it says we'd buy from local farms uh, there's a rich seam of people uh, agreeing with you there let's return to the point you've made about 
shifting sands in politics. I think that the Liberal Democrats were destroyed by Nick Clegg's political expedience, I would even say incompetence, where I stayed constant, but it looked like I was moving because he moved the party into this authoritarian censorship rubbish where he actually said that he would cancel, he would censor non-violent extremists from speaking at universities. And that's really quite significant to me because that means he would censor, he would cancel people who aren't even advocating breaking the law. And that's not the essence of liberalism. But I think all he was doing was was slavishly following the general direction that the Labour and the Conservative Party has been going in, which is to censor and take away our free speech. How do you feel about that? Was that going on whilst the coalition government uh, was in and he was the leader? Because this is it. I wasn't engaged enough at the time. And now I understand Nick Clegg to be sort of no different to David Miliband did something like this. Or or they all seem to be picked for big tech positions in other companies once they've bodged the job job up here. but yeah, the censorship issue was it was absolutely huge. You know, I've had five YouTube channels deleted uh, primarily for speculating that these vaccines have been rushed. That was that was the reason. Um, and that's insane because they've they've killed people. They've harmed people. All I was doing was saying safer to wait. And I was called the dangerous one. They've they've killed people, they've harmed people. All I was doing was saying safer to wait and I was called the dangerous one. Objectively in 2024, that's not true. And I'm still basically penalized for it because I've got this kind of stained reputation um, because you've been censored and thrown off platforms and stuff. Again, it's all the wrong way around. It doesn't prevent hate. It doesn't make anyone safer. Um, And yeah, it's because they're trying to shut down the free flow of ideas. And I don't think you can ever do that and produce a better society. You need more debate. You need more people talking to people, less censorship all the time. The point you're making about the vaccines is close to my heart because I harmed myself by having a vaccine and I'm still paying the price in terms of health. It seems clear to me now this is my opinion, but I think it's based on fact that the vaccines probably killed more people than the disease. And even more, we're guilty as a world of having one great big human experiment with untried vaccines, uh, as you said before. How did we get to a situation where governments more or less coerced people into putting stuff into their bodies that hadn't been tried? I mean, I'm really interested in the parallels between the way that the government treated the population. And if you look at how narcissistic, abusive partners, well, yeah, narcissistic, abusive people treat their partners, you can draw immense parallels behind um, what was going on there to to grind the population down so they don't really even know what reality is anymore and they're just begging for some freedom um i don't want what happened throughout 2020 to get lost as we talk about vaccine harms because there was so much psychological abuse and it was abuse 
uh, to get people to take it anyway. There's no way they would have had as high a vaccine take up without so much propaganda, so much shutting down of businesses, preventing you from going to funerals and seeing your families, preventing fathers from being there for the births of their children. Um, children dying in hospitals and not being allowed to say goodbye to their parents. All of this stuff was, I think we can say at this point, it was much more focused on getting people to take part in the experiment than it was to keep people safe. Or again, there at least needs to be an honest conversation about it rather than um, lobbing people into camp camps of vax or anti-vax um jabbed and unjabbed is so unhelpful um zoom out and look at what actually happened because everybody was psychologically tormented and i i feel like only a few people only a handful full of people are honest about it. and that breathtaking program was part of the gaslighting um they're still doing it they're still pumping out propaganda to say that all of that stuff was a necessary and be allowable because the government should never be allowed to do anything like this. Um, I have the right to decide what I do in my life and determine whether or not I am safe with my actions. The uh, legacy of the COVID uh, scam, in my view, uh, in terms of the vaccines, and I, I'm bitter about it. I bitterly regret taking that vaccine now uh, but the legacy seems to be potentially going one of two ways either the public will say won't get fooled again or the public will say well we've done it before and we will do it again which way do you think we'll go i get scared that people want to um forgive forget and move on because that has been i chatted to john waters the irish author the other day and I was feeling very optimistic because the last time we'd spoken was in lockdown and it was incredibly depressing. So I was like, it's good to talk to you again, John. Hey, we're free to do things. And he he, he was so much more skeptical and pessimistic. And it's because none of it has been acknowledged, um, not by the establishment in any which way. They're keeping going with the narrative that we're the crazy ones and obviously the vaccine worked and yeah there have been a few unfortunate side effects but there's a vaccine damage payment scheme which i've interviewed people that have been turned down for it or even gotten the money and it's actually just a support payment it's not supposed to be compensation the fact i think rishi sunak kind of admitted culpability the other week um when he was stung by john watt on gb news it's scary to me that this is all happening in in our little wing and we're concerned about it, but it doesn't seem to be acknowledged by the establishment. Even though the prime minister was there on TV being called out by, by somebody who's had a vaccine injury, that's still not, you know, the biggest news story, um, it's, which is crazy to me. Uh, we finished at the beginning of a whole new debate and perhaps, Nick, if you're willing to come to the Lemotopic show again, we can talk about the whole vaccine, the history of the vaccine situation and what that means. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me. Have you enjoyed it? Has it been interesting to go back to university and have a philosophy <laughs> tutorial? It's been it's been tremendous. I always love talking to somebody who's actually been in the system and in the cogs because I have such a low level of trust in it all. Um, so to know that we feel the same way about so many things, it's just, it's just kind of funny. It proves that there are some honorable people who give it a go.
It's kind of you to say so. Maybe I'm just better at fooling you than the others. I hope that's not the case. Nick Cotton, real pleasure to speak with you. We'll definitely get you back. I'd love to talk with you about how you see the vaccine uh, scam uh, affecting society in the longer term. That was Nick Cotton and very interesting that he would talk about that because our next guest has been in the health service recently, partly because of the health service. Paul McGowan has uh, had a life-threatening condition. He'll share that. Uh, the good, the bad and the ugly of what happened to him is also an irrepressible free voice. All of that coming up in the next hour with me on the Lembit Opic show right here on today's news talk. Don't go anywhere. See you in a few minutes.